you're listening to The Geek Awakens with Mitch, Matt, Tabitha, and Lydia. Hey, everybody. I have a special guest here with me tonight. Um, he is a comic book writer. Uh, probably you you are quickly becoming one of my favorite authors. Um, everything I, I read, I'm like, oh, wow. And then like I've even like, well, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. But um, writer Thank of uh, Mindset, Breakout, uh, Forever Forward, um, Join the Future, which I I put that together too. I was like, oh wow, he wrote that too. So like you're in for a treat. Uh Zach Kaplan. Zach, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you guys? Thanks I'm, for having me, Mitch. Absolutely, absolutely. Doing fantastic. Uh, so let's start off. The the trade paperback for breakout was just released. Uh yes. for those who haven't read this story yet, what's this book about? Uh breakout is uh kind of a fun mashup between uh a sci-fi adventure and a prison break heist story. Uh, And it basically follows the premise that these mysterious cube spaceships have appeared all around the world. They're only abducting young people between the age of 10 to 21. And the world, the governments, uh, adults everywhere basically say, we just have to accept this. And it follows a group of uh, high schoolers who say, we're not going to do that. We're going to rescue our loved ones in an Ocean's Eleven style prison break. Um, And... um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, some amazing art by Wilton Santos and Jason Wordy. Letters by Jim Campbell, and it's out by Dark Horse. Nice, and yeah, like, I, and like I had told you off air uh, when we met up at C two E two. Yeah, this was a book that I picked up just on a whim. You know, I didn't, I hadn't even heard of it. I'm like, okay, this kind of looks cool. I'll, I'll do this with number ones a lot, and I was, I was hooked by the first issue. If you guys haven't read Breakout yet, you need to. Uh, but kind of like you said, it's a mix of sci-fi meets uh, meets a high story. You know, you could say like Stranger Things meets Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. Um, how did you come up with the idea to like make these, you know, the put high schoolers in this type of high situation? Yeah, it actually, I think, first came from my just love of heists and prison breaks. Like, I, I just love that kind of genre. And I love everything with sci-fi i mean pretty much everything i write is sci-fi with with some spin or some twist to it and yeah looking at the 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 landscape of film and tv and and video games and comics i just could not find enough um sci-fi prison break sci-fi heist in terms of a whole encompassing story i think there are a lot of like different series that do bottle episode kind of uh things like that. But just, I really, I, I wanted something and I'd been thinking a lot about how much fun it would be to do kind of a, a break into a spaceship. Uh, but it wasn't really until I uh, thought about young people on this adventure that the whole story kind of came to life. And, and obviously um, it has a lot of uh, timely themes and kind of allegorical uh, references to to a few things specifically, but more abstractly, just the kind of premise that older generations seem to pass on problems to younger generations. I think the real funny thing is, is when I say the pitch to people, uh, and I say, well, the world just accepts that that young people are being abducted by, you know, robo- these robots, and they're being taken up to these cubes and held there, 
10, 20 years ago, I feel like I would have gotten their response. So that would never happen. Like the governments would organize their armies. They would, they would never give up. Parents would not stop fighting. Like that would never happen. And now we kind of, <laughs> oh yeah, that, yeah, we would give up. We would just let that happen. That's, that's what would happen. So it's interesting to see this kind of problem through a very modern lens where we seem to accept these kinds of tragic outcomes and, and kind of say to young people, like, you deal with it. We can't do anything about it. So it really kind of brought a lot of depth and dimension to it. And then kind of gave the characters, not just a, how do we break into a spaceship story, but how do we find empowerment in this kind of world? Um, one thing that I really noticed, especially with this first issue, because yeah, you have the adults and the the parents and everything just saying like, oh, well, you know, it is what it is. You know, we have to get back to, you know, get back to living, all that kind of stuff. But these kids are protesting and fighting back and saying, like, begging people to do something. Um, I couldn't help but make that connection to, you know, the the wave of school shootings that we've had for longer than a lot of people have been alive, you know. So yeah. am I onto something or is I just am I completely seeing things? Yeah, I mean, uh I don't think that the book uh, beats it, uh, beats you over the head, but it the, the story opens with a safety drill in the school and the kids are running for their lives in their school. They're hiding and uh, you don't know what's happening, but by all accounts, it, it, it absolutely could be just an ordinary school shooting safety drill. And then only later do they come outside and you realize it's a safety drill for these, these cubes and these, these kind of uh, mysterious abductions that are going on. But um, yeah, I think that the reason that 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 translates is because school safety and climate change, I think, are the two biggest um, causes that we've seen young people kind of rise to the occasion and step up in terms of becoming advocates and, and becoming uh, very outspoken uh, in our lifetime. So, yeah, I, I think absolutely um what's happening to the planet, what's happening to our world, what's happening to, to children and young people in their schools and in their communities uh, with, with the threat of violence. And absolutely, it's meant to provoke that, that kind of thought. And, you know, what, what does everybody think about this? So yeah, kind of confront you, <laughs> confront people with it, but on a like, you know, a, a, a larger scale. So I want to move on um, to another book you've got coming out at the end of the month. And uh, I, I can see in the background, I, I can see it's uh, it's being promoted a little bit here. I do have it. <laughs> so yes. at, the end, at the end of the month, uh, the trade for mindset comes out. Uh, what's the elevator pitch for we this? Can, and when exactly does it come out? This is yes. Yeah, I, this is uh, uh, an early look at it. But uh, yeah, it comes out. Actually, the 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 sale date got pushed, I believe, one week. So it may be June 7th okay. uh, now, uh, which is uh, obviously not due to the book not being finished, but just due to uh, uh, printing and distribution these days has been going through a lot of that. But you were asking about the uh, what's it about? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's basically a, a very David Fincher-esque mind control thriller. And it follows a bunch of grad students that accidentally discover a, a real form of mind control, a, a, a combination of light and sound that will make the user do whatever whatever they're suggested to do within a very narrow window of time. And uh, these, these guys decide to do something a little different with it. They decide to put it in a meditation app. 
They, they have idealistic goals of helping people to free them from their addiction to technology. And then a, a billion people start using this app and they realize that they're not helping them, they're controlling them. And it opens with a kind of a thriller-esque murder mystery the main characters wanted for killing his investor. And he says, I, I didn't do it, it was all mind control. So it's it's very much kind of, a, um, again, a couple of things all at once. It's this exciting thriller story about trying to figure out who's controlling who and and um, you know um, the murder is, is obviously a mystery. But then I think it's also this kind of, seduction story and success story gone wrong about the tech industry, about how our apps and our devices are controlling us and kind of um, where good intentions fall short in, in, in the face of uh, ever fast changing, uh, advancing technology. It's out, uh, but also it's a, it's a Vault Comics uh, book and it's uh, drawn uh, um, uh, some gorgeous artwork by John Pearson, who does both the art and the colors. Hassan Osme and El Hau does the letters and uh, Tim Daniel designed the book. And yeah. And to kind of speak on John Pearson's art for a second, uh, yeah. his, his artwork is, it, it's just, it's absolutely stunning. And yeah. one of the things I really love about it, it's like the different art styles, like even between pages, it's like, you know, like there's one page where, it almost looks like watercolors and then you flip the page and it's, it's abstract, you know, uh, was that something that you guys collaborated on or was that kind of his idea from the start? Well, I mean, one of the really cool things uh, about John Pearson as an artist is he has this visual arts background. So he's done comics, uh, but I believe mindset is, you know, uh, he's still early in his, in his comics career. He's, he's done a couple um, but he's most also most notably known for blue and green Ram V's book with Anand and, and, uh, Anand and, and John won the Eisner together for their, their digital artwork in that book. Um, but yeah, he, he has a lot of, uh, breadth and, and variation in his artwork and a lot of, a lot of using multiple mediums and mixed kind of styles and textures and playing with form. And, you know, from the very onset, when I approached him, uh, that was something I knew was kind of part of the book. The book is being told, uh, in this very subjective way through, through the protagonist, Ben Sharp's experience. And he's trying to kind of understand who's controlling who and try to understand, uh, you know, this whole situation. And so it very much uh, was going to help to have an artist that could really play with form and, and deconstruct moments. So yeah, I brought John in knowing that that was, that was what he brought to the table. And then we uh, got deep into collaboration. I mean, I think this is, um, I, I collaborate a lot. I'm definitely a very collaborative uh, creator, but this was also, you know, one of my most, collaborative experiences in terms of really constantly talking about layout structure and and choice and just to try to find visual ways to to emphasize the story to emphasize that 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 those feelings of kind of suspense or paranoia or who do you trust or who's in control you'll see john does a lot of silhouettes uh, where where a character is in silhouette or then maybe a character is more fully rendered and there's a lot of intention behind those artistic choices. We play a lot with layouts. I mean, there's a fun layout that wheels in a circle and, and there's no start or end to it. Um, there's some times where the border panels break down 
and uh, it's kind of symbolic of of the deconstruction of that moment or something very large is happening in that moment. So yeah, we we collaborated a lot. It was a lot of a lot of fun, and obviously, I think as a writer, you learn how to write towards uh, an artist's style. So one thing I like to do is, you know, you don't really know what are go- what's going to become the visual iconography of a book, but like as pages come in on issue one, uh, there was one page where uh, the main character was featured kind of looking right into the camera, very large in a double page spread. And I loved it. I was like, oh, this is amazing. It felt like he was being slapped in the face by the world, the world's all around him, but like here he does look stunned. And so we ended up using that device i wrote it again i had not intended to write it again and again but i said oh i'm going to write double page spread bends in the middle world around him again and again to create this ongoing um element that you come back to in different kind of moments in the story uh i mean also when ben meets uh the love interest uh, atlanta hannah uh they have this really kind of fun back and forth flirtatious kind of vibe and uh, that's a real fun uh, kind of romance to see unfold. So it, when it first came in, it was this kind of real staccato, lots of panels. And so we ended up constantly using that kind of back and forth, lots of panels with them, almost like they were trying to connect, but they were rarely, if ever, in the same panel until the end. So yeah, there's lots of kind of thought that went into like, how to use these the layouts and the staging and the art to to emphasize the story, um, which is what what's so awesome about making comics. You know, you, you're you're able to do it all at the same time with the with the other creators. So yeah. So one of the themes of mindset it deals with how society we're just we're controlled by our smartphones. You know, um, what's what's something that you kind of hope that readers would take away from this? Yeah, if 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 uh, viewers of the podcast right now are listening to this on their on their smartphone, perhaps that would uh, <laughs> like you're walking you're walking around listening to on your. Yeah, I think um, I have gotten actually some people who were reading the monthly issues who who have already told me that it made them think about their phone usage and made them think about how much they're doom scrolling or how much they use the phone blindly and not even know why. I think we all know we do that, but having someone point it out to you, uh, you know, I think really sticks. And, you know, thinking about who you're going to bed to, are you going to bed to, you know, uh, a loved one or your own voice in your head? Are you going to bed to a TikTok (laughs) or Reels or something like? So yeah, I have had, I think it would be, it would be nice if people walked away thinking about their usage and thinking about maybe uh, how they prevent the phones from using them a little bit, which I think is still inevitable. But yeah. yeah. So as a whole, like your your books, they're they're heavily rooted in sci-fi, but that's pretty much where the similarities end. They each of the ones that I've read, it's it's like a different subgenre when it comes to sci-fi. So. Tell us a little bit about the process when it comes to your world world building. Yeah, I mean, I world building is a huge part, I think, of my work. I think uh, all eight of the series that I've done so far and some of the new stuff I'm doing, it's all world building. Um, sci-fi obviously lends itself to that, but I think even, even the stories that don't, like Mindset, which is not, it's a science fiction story, but 
you know, it's rooted in the world of Silicon Valley startups. Mm -hmm. And so I'm very focused on making sure that those worlds ring true and authentic, that the, the language of the world seems authentic. So I usually will immerse myself in, in content like film, TV, comics, books that, that capture that, um, whatever the feel of the world should be. And then I'll research visually a lot of like locations, uh, clothing, just everything that would lend itself to, to bring that world together. And that's all in the background. It's all about providing that world to the, to the artists so that they can emulate it. But I don't like to, to make the story come to a screeching halt as I'm like setting up world. It's all just kind of a backdrop, but yeah, I spend a lot of time thinking about how to bring those worlds to life. I like to do mood boards and get visual references and, I think if there's a kind of common denominator about the look, you know, or about the the world, that can really help to to kind of make the book feel um a little more immersive, you know, just to make the reader feel like they know what to expect and they know what they're they're falling into. So whether it's, you know, a uh, 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 high schoolers planning a a heist or grad students planning a an app launch or join the future, uh, uh, you know, a uh, a uh, small town cowgirl planning to uh, take back her, her town. Um, it's all kind of rooted in like everything is world, you know, character is world. You know, I think another thing that I really like to do is think about my characters, the heroes as, you know, kind of representative of that world. I mean, you know, Ben Sharp is a quintessential uh kind of person to to do a tech startup you know I mean, he doesn't have kind of a a tech bro uh uh kind of attitude about him but he's certainly been raised on technology all his life he's been told by his parents that he's so amazing and he really idolizes bill gates and this sort of kind of mentality and so he really comes in wanting to use um tech creation as a way of feeling influential. You know, it, it, he, he, he says altruistic things, but there's this underlying need. And so I think it's, it's kind of, um, yeah, I really like to think about what the, the world of the story is and then what type of character would both thematically represent that world. And then the characters, you know, going on some sort of emotional journey so what kind of emotional journey represents that world so yeah i get really in the weeds i plan a lot of the story out i'm not just kind of riding by the seat of my pants and then oh this is this character i really kind of like think about what type of characters would be in in each one of these stories i mean the the um breakout is another great example because you know breakout is this how do you plan the perfect heist you know how do you plan uh the perfect breakout and so that character is is kind of a an untested genius. I mean, he's really smart, really clever, but really likes to do everything himself, not good at working with a team and not good at handling uh, when things don't go well and things don't go according to plan. So obviously things are not going to go according to plan and he has to rely on his on his peers and his friends and he's getting tested in terms of what he, what this adventure is really about for him it starts about saving his brother but it, it turns into um what is his role going to be in this larger conflict uh and and so yeah there i i like to think about 
character is world too. So I put a lot of time into, into world building for sure. So you, you talked about how, um, you know, you really, you don't like to fly by the seat of your pants, you know? And uh, when I was reading Breakout, there there were a lot of different times where I was like, okay, I think I know where this is going. And there were also a lot of different times I was wrong. <laughs> um, so have you ever started a story with one ending in mind, but then as you were writing it, you decided, hey, this might be a better direction for it? Yes, um, in small ways. I mean, uh, you know, mindset. Uh, has a very, uh, without giving too much spoilers away, uh, mindset as a story is very interpretive. And I think you can really read it and kind of try, you, you're trying to figure out what's happening. And there's some level of subjectivity to the end of mindset where you're kind of left one, you know, you think, you know, but is it this or is it that? And it, it's, it, it provokes conversation. It provokes kind of like you decide uh, in, in some way. Uh, and, and that came to me and John towards the end, I had kind of been going towards one direction in the, in the ending. And then we kind of found, oh, this ending works even better. If we create a little more complexity, a little more ambiguity on, on some of these aspects. So yeah, I think that you find layers to, um, to, uh, a story. I mean, um, but then there are other outcomes that you know what has to happen from the very beginning. Uh, you know, I did a, a book called uh, Metal Society uh, Image Topka that came out at the end of last year. And it was a, a boxing drama that takes place in a sci-fi world with humans versus robots. As soon as I came up with that story, I knew how the fight was going to end. I knew the outcome of it. Uh, and it was all about discovering how to get there and, and going through the story in the middle. So yeah, some stories, stories never come out like more. So I think what surprises you is you kind of see it one way, but there are these kind of, you kind of plug in things when you're brainstorming a story, or when you're first coming up with it, when you're not deep in the weeds, you kind of say, and well, like, here's where the living room's going to go. And then you get there and you realize, oh, wait a minute. But if the living room's going to be here, I got to do something with the TV and how am I going to like it, it, it tells you what it wants to be at some times and it changes. So yeah, no matter how much I like to plan a story, they, they surprise you and they take on a life of your own. And there, there are always story problems that you have to kind of crack and figure out. But, um, but for the most part, I try to put as much thought in as possible. And then the discoveries are, are part of the fun. So if you had the opportunity, which of the worlds that you've created, would you like to visit in real life? Oh man, we live in mindset right now. I don't think I need to to visit that. Uh, e Eclipse has deadly sunlight, so I'm not sure I need to get burned alive. I can go to the beach uh, and do that without sunscreen nowadays. I don't think I need. Uh, Port of Earth has uh, our world has been turned into a, a spaceport for alien travelers that don't always uh, stay at port. So I don't think I need to be going to uh, the grocery store worried about aliens coming by. Um, join the future, uh, maybe. Forever Forward is a time travel story forward in time, and it just keeps getting worse and worse. It's only forward in time. So not going to go there. Not going to go to robot-dominated society in metal society. Breakout, I don't think I want to see kids getting abducted on a regular basis with nothing to do about it. Um, Lost City Explorers is 
an underground adventure that might take it you know under uh lost city explorers is a, a book i did with aftershock a couple of years ago alvaro sarasica and uh, uh d uh Kunifi, i forget how to pronounce his name but he was on colors but um it was basically uh kind of a, my modern day homage to Goonies about a group of kids that live in New York city and they go looking for the law, lo a lost city that's under Manhattan. It turns out the lost city of Atlantis is under, under New York city. Uh, that would be fun. I think uh, I actually ended up going underground exploring for that book. Uh, I, I went to New York and hired an underground explorer to show me around and it was pretty fascinating. It's really surreal down there. Uh, and so, yeah, that's kind of a fun adventure, you know, and certainly to be young and to go on an adventure like that and what you might discover, um, that, that probably is the, <laughs> the most hopeful, uh, world that I've created that I might step into. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. So tell us a little bit about how you got your start in comics. Yeah. I mean, um, I'd always thought about it. Uh, well, I guess that's, I grew up reading like superhero comics and then it was until around just out of college and the kind of vertigo days where I kind of rediscovered all the creator owned stuff that had been coming out. And I was kind of, kind of blown away and mm -hmm. fell in love with, with creator owned comics. And um, so it was, it was kind of late nineties, early two thousands that I started to think about making a comic, but um I wasn't sure if it was possible. I was pursuing film and TV. I went to USC for, for film and TV writing. Um, so I was writing a lot of other things. Um, and then uh, was started pitching to comic publishers to try to get a, a, a chance to do it. And finally, I, I got lucky. I had a stack of scripts that showed I could write. And I managed to um, get my foot in the door with Top Cow which is an imprint of image. And I sold them this idea that the sun had turned deadly. And uh, they said, well, yeah, let's do four issues. And so at that point I was just making a comic and it was just this four issue thing. And when it came out, two things happened. One, it did really well. And they kind of said, if you want to turn this into an ongoing and keep going, we, we can, and what else you got, which led to Port of Earth. But uh, two, I fell in love with, uh, the world of comics, the making of comics, the com the conventions, just the whole thing. I, I I kind of had been looking at it on the outside, and once I was on the inside, I just I loved it. I loved the um the immediacy of being able to interact with with readers and and interact with other creators. I loved the kind of the the joy of seeing your book on the stands, and 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 it's just kind of you know I think in film and TV writers i mean how funny that there's a, a strike going on right now about some of these very topics writers are very removed from the process i mean writers um don't always get the the the, the chance to have the the experience of sharing their work directly they're in a room they're writing someone else's vision or yeah so it, it, i just really loved the kind of the connection and, and the camaraderie and the and the community of comics and i kind of said i'm all in and i just started making more so speaking of cons that's actually how how we met uh one of the best things about artist alley is how you know you could just be walking around and realize oh hey this guy or this girl or whoever you know that i've read some of their stuff didn't even know that they were going to be here you know and that's and that's what happened there um 
so it's definitely like just as a PSA, if you ever go to conventions, do not knock Artist Alley. Um, please don't. But uh, speaking of, you know, what other what other cons do you have lined up this year? I'm doing uh, I'm actually really excited. I'll be coming back to Chicago for the it's called ALA and it's the American Librarian Association, I believe. Uh, forgive me if I'm not um, um, articulating that correctly, but it's a, a convention for for libraries, for schools, for books, for kind of that world of and graphic novels have become a, a huge part of that. And so I'm very excited uh, both Vault Comics and Dark Horse are going to be there. So I'm excited to bring Mindset and Breakout to, to share with that community. And then I'll be at San Diego Comic-Con down in San Diego. It's a small convention, but uh, if Never you... Never heard of it. Yeah, <laughs> it, you know, it's it's a couple guys in a table, but uh, I'll be there. And uh, then I'm um, looking on, I'd like to come back to Rose City again. That um, that I love Portland. I'll be at New York Comic-Con for sure. Um and I haven't haven't got any others uh, in my sites yet for this year, but um, yeah, we'll see. Awesome. Uh, so, are there any upcoming projects that you can or want to talk about? I I, I cannot directly talk about any of them right now because none of them have been released, and that's that's the funny thing about how comics works. Like, you know, you can be as busy as ever. So I'm working on six different series right now. Oh wow. Uh, and I think it's safe to say that, I mean, five of them will come out in the next 12 months, uh, you know, 12 to 15 months, give or take comics, you know, nuances. But yeah. Uh, and then one is a graphic novel that is direct to graphic novel. So that will probably come out closer to the end of of uh, 24 because graphic novel direct graphic novel calendars are crazy uh long but yeah i have yeah five or six books that i'm working out and actually maybe a couple plans to, to end the year with a couple more in in the works so yeah i'm 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 hustling i'm i'm kind of it's funny because you know when i got in i was coming out with like one comic a year <laughs> and i was like you know you're learning how to do it you know and then uh the pandemic hit and so I got the chance to uh, really get going by having uh, a few things thrown a whack. And so I was like, all right, let's 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 put some stuff together. I had like four books all come out last year, all within a six month window, which was extremely awesome and exciting. And then the the rub is like, so you got to do this. What's next? <laughs> like, hey, you got four amazing books. That's great. Uh, what's next? It's always what's next. So, <laughs> so now I'm now I got to do that every year. So yeah, I've really kind of hunkered down and trying to, you know, I uh, some of my favorite writers are, you know, Scott Snyder and, and James Tynan just continue to put out amazing work one after another. So, uh, you know, I'm taking notes and uh, just trying to make some great books and um, yeah. So nothing that, that I think that probably I'll start to get one, some of the stuff that's coming out this fall, will start to get announced this summer. Um, but nothing, nothing just yet, but I, I, it's, it's all sci-fi. So all six of those projects are all sci-fi, but they're all completely different um, tones, different subgenres. That's my, my goal is to just continue to create uh, amazing genre content. So, yeah. So 
Yeah, keep keep your eyes peeled, everyone. Yeah, um, for sure, for sure. But uh, I would say in the in the immediate future, if you if you're a trade waiter and you have not read uh, Metal Society or Breakout or Mindset, those are uh, Breakout just came out. Metal Society came out at the beginning of the year, and then Mindset comes out just in a few couple weeks. So, um, yeah, nice. check check out those books. So, Zach, uh, how can people find you online? I'm at uh zach caps on twitter facebook instagram i have a sub stack that uh, a newsletter that i occasionally service i have i'm trying to uh figure out how to how to have a newsletter when everything is secret but um <laughs> i'm not sure what, like i'm you know what to talk about but uh talk about my dog or something i don't know uh but yeah i have a sub stack called techno babble so you can certainly follow that when i do get going with all these projects probably late summer and fall uh, I'll start to talk a lot more about those on on the on the newsletter, and otherwise I'm on I'm on social media at Zach Caps. Nice. So one more time, give us the details on both mindset and breakout. The details breakout is a a, a dark horse uh, standalone graphic novel. It came out uh, just a couple weeks ago. And uh, it's it's drawn by Wilton Santos, colored by Jason uh, Wordy, and lettered by Jim Campbell. Uh, Adam Gorman did the uh, Gorham did the um, cover, and uh, yeah, that's out in stores now. Although I think it's coming in bookstores, things on comic book shops. I think it's out in bookstores in like a in a, in a week or so. So um, you'll be able to f- find it at Barnes and Noble and Amazon and all and local cool bookstores, which are probably far better to pick something up at. Definitely. And then uh, Mindset is uh, my series with Vault Comics, uh, by uh, art by John Pearson, letters by Hassan Osman Elhow. Uh, the covers John Tim Daniel did the design, and that book uh, comes out June seventh. Uh, is where we're at right now, both I think for bookstores and comic shops, and um, yeah, definitely check them all out. Zach, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk. Uh, Best of luck with everything. Thank you. Thanks so much. That's going to do it for this episode of The Geek Awakens. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, shoot us an email at thegeekawakenspodcast at gmail.com. It would be a shame if you didn't follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Geek Awakens Podcast or on Twitter at Geek Awakens. Theme music created and produced by E. Cannon Beats. Our logo was designed by Shay McCain. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. We're boldly gone. <laughs>